Hey there, beautiful babies. This is David wearing his producer hat. Uh, this is, say, the sixth take I've done for this introduction. I'm going to keep it really simple. One, Zen's mic was very hot during the recording. I'm not sure why. I will do my best to take out uh, the distortion and make their uh, audio sound as listenable as possible. Two, I had a head cold. You might still hear traces of it. Uh, right now, I'm going to do my, again, very best to edit out coughs and sniffles. My, but when I sound like this, there's a lot less that I can do uh, on the producer side. Uh, third thing, I, I think I say Scott Derrickson directs, is directing the, the current Doctor Strange film. He directed the first one. Uh, obviously, this one is Sam Raimi. So if this is a bad episode, I don't think this is a bad episode. I think it might sound uh, be difficult on the ear. Tell us your opinion. Shoot us an email, internetstrangerspod at gmail.com. DMs are always open on Twitter at IISpod or Instagram at IIS podcast. Uh, don't have a Snapchat. Nobody does. Or a uh, fiddle faddle. Listen to the episode. Tell us what you think. I love you all. The views expressed on the International Internet Strangers Mixtape do not necessarily represent the opinions of the United States, the United Kingdom, their respective societies for the prevention of uh, cruelty to animals or postal services. Hey, I did it live. Uh, beautiful babies, welcome to the International Internet Strangers Mixtape. Uh, I am Damon. And I am Zen. No comment. Today... I am uh, out in the desert of southwestern, no, southeastern Utah, uh, recording from a hotel room. So the sound quality is going to be a little different, uh, which is not to say I've never recorded off the internal mic of this computer before, but this time I know it, and it's going to be <laughs> the whole episode. Yeah, so. it doesn't sound too bad from my end. We're muddy through. Yeah. You're, yeah, yours is still coming through pretty pretty loud. Oh, no. I'm trying to turn it down again. You can say I can equalize it in post, but... Yeah. I'm just too loud. That's a problem. <laughs> okay. Okay, so today on this episode, instead of pushing further through uh, Price for the First Runner-Up, uh, because I don't have my whole soundboard set up, uh, and that means I don't have the music clips to play from uh, from the mix. I figured we'd just have a little little chat, and I have been uh, so two things have have determined our theme today. Uh, one, on the last episode, you may remember I recommended a podcast called The King Cast. Uh, and while I've been out in the desert, that's been something I've been uh, kind of plowing through them about 30 episodes in. Uh, apologies for my, my little sniffle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, try and, try and minimize that. Try and be a little radio professional. But uh, so I listened to the KingCast and then one of the other podcasts I, I normally listen to uh, with Gorley and Rust. They were doing a, an entire spring uh, season based on the adapted works of Stephen King. So, knowing that Zen also enjoys uh, some King, and I, I, I've been itching to, to chat about it, that's what we'll be, we'll be talking about today. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, I am... Um, oh, gosh, I'm still really loud, aren't I? Um, I wasn't sure whether we were going to be talking about just the books or the books and the movies, but I've, I've done a little bit of prep work focusing mainly on the written works of Stephen King. But, you know, we, we can chat around the movies as well. There's a lot to be said. Um, so I have a question for you. Yeah. What was the first Stephen book, Stephen King book that you read? Uh, the first one that I read, uh, I didn't read until I was 22. And that, that was it. Okay. Um, 
It's it's been funny on uh, the King cast hearing everybody's uh, Stephen King origin story, and they all started reading like The Stand in seventh grade. Right, right. Gosh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I found a copy of The Green Mile, I think. Um, cool. In, in my English teacher's classroom, he just had like a selection of books you could help yourself to. Um, so that was my introduction. I don't think I even realised it was Stephen King until I was a bit older. But, oh yeah, I read that. Because it's not, it's not a particularly scary one. It's, it's, uh, you know, in my head, Stephen King was like scary horror films, and yeah, The Green Mile is something a little bit different. But, yeah. Yeah, and I, I have, I hope I still have it, and it didn't get uh, purged in the last move. But I've, I've got the the novellas like the little books for the green mile on paper Ooh. um yeah. i got yeah i got a big uh so my my first awareness of uh of stephen king uh came from my aunt Kay, and in the room where because I, I was i was good friends with her her son my cousin caleb so i was over there a lot uh, and in the room where the Nintendo was most often set up, she had a, a bookshelf just full of Stephen King hardback books. Right. And so I have this like vivid memory of, uh, you know, and it's funny because a lot of these are, are titles that are not necessarily well regarded in the mm. in canon so it's it's the talisman and and tommy knockers uh i think thinner was up there uh pretty sure oh. it was up there uh, so very uh 1980s selection yeah and and <laughs> probably, probably a lot more uh i remember the talisman because it was a word i didn't really understand i remember yeah. trying to like suss it out in my head the tall is man and then tommy knockers was kind of like a weird sort of word so that like those are the ones that stood out and then it obviously was huge and uh, i think was the only one that was white instead of black or or red Hmm. i did see you tweet uh a while ago saying that um one of your life goals is to own a complete mismatched set of stephen king books yeah, oh, specifically of uh, the Dark Tower. Ah, okay. So, uh, but but yeah, the, all this you know, this big Stephen King run that I'm on right now, I was like, I, and so hearing so many people tell their story about being a kid, and on their parents' bookshelf, there were these Stephen King paperbacks. Mm. So they snuck a copy of uh, Eyes of the Dragon, or <laughs> uh, Cujo, or what have you. I was like, I, w- I want to have Stephen King paperbacks around. And I, I've got a, a decent collection of Stephen King paperbacks. Uh, but it's such an easily collectible thing. You know? Oh, yeah. It's the kind of thing that you would you would find in, like, you know, charity shops or, you know, thrift shops. Um, yeah. Just kind of... Uh, I, I don't think... Like, my mum is a prolific reader. She just inhales books but i don't actually remember there being stephen king books at home when i was growing up i don't think he was on her list of uh favorites and for me there there were distinctly no stephen king books in in the house which is funny because Kay is my mom's sister and my mom was just like nope that's not it's not good stuff to read so (laughs) Uh, was that a religious thing or just a personal preference thing? I think I think it, it kind of combined together. Yeah. She'll like go through her Michael Crichton novels and and uh, white out the swears. Oh right. But yeah, I think it just like made her feel a little oogie. Mm. So I had that like at home. I had that, and then you know at Kay's house there were all these books and and uh, and I I remember seeing pieces of Stephen King adapted material on TV. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have that? Like, uh, I, I, I definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're of a similar age, right? You know, like, I, I feel like in the 90s, so when we would have been, you know, kind of late primary school, early secondary school, kind of 
10 years old kind of thing. There was just a massive run of, of um, Stephen King TV adaptations. Yeah. Just, you, you almost couldn't uh, couldn't get away from them, really. But Did they did they run the It uh, miniseries over there? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I didn't see that when it came out. Um, my parents were pretty good about letting me watch whatever I wanted to watch, as long as I understood the consequences that, like, yeah. this is sweary, you might have nightmares, that kind of thing. Um, I think I tried to watch the Tommy Knockers <laughs> series that they that they brought out, but um, no, I never saw it. But, I mean, obviously I've seen it since, but right. yeah. not as a kid. I do have a, a... So I didn't watch it, but I went in the room while it was being watched. <laughs> Mm. Uh, and there's a, a scene where Bev is like, uh, or I guess Pennywise is talking to her through the, the drain in the sink. Yeah. And a balloon starts filling up, big red balloon starts filling up and it bursts and it's full of blood. And that was very frightening to, oh, it would be 92, eight-year-old Damon did not mm. care to see that. Uh, that, that. That's all I remember from it. Except for, you know, kids talking about it at, at school. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I remember... That's funny because yeah. I'm sure other people have that exact same... I, I was reading an article just earlier, um, that exact same fear of bathroom sinks. Mm. <laughs> it's just so... It's amazing how horror has that power to turn really mundane, everyday objects into, you know, scary... Yeah, things, you know. It's it's very effective that way because you're not gonna wake up on the cube from cube. You know that's not really mm. a fear that you're gonna gonna have. But you've you you gotta run water down the drain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just doing a cheeky Google. Have you seen the nineties uh, TV? adaptation of the stand i haven't i haven't seen either uh adaptation i've, ju- I've just listened to the uh, audiobook ah uh, yeah so my friend sally um so i i had read a couple of stephen king books as a teenager uh-huh. so i'd read the green mile and misery but then that was it for like <laughs> two decades at least two and a half decades <laughs> and it wasn't until the pandemic uh, that I actually kind of got into reading Stephen King books. Oh, cool! In earnest, yeah. My my friend Sally kind of semi-ironically recommended that I read The Stand because you know it's kind of about it starts off about being about a pandemic. That's true, yeah. Um, and then that kind of became our thing. So we watched the nineties TV show together, <laughs> <laughs> which is it's it's painfully nineties. Like yeah. it's got uh, Rob Lowe in it and then. Um, all sorts of people that you'd recognize. Gary Sinise, I think, isn't it? Matt, um, uh, what's his, Matt Frewer, who played uh, Max Headroom? Is yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, since, since like, what that would have been 2020, I, I've read, sorry, there's a really noisy blue bottle that keeps flying past the mic, so I'm almost certain that we're going to pick that up. Um, very distracting. What was I saying? Yeah, so since 2020, I, I think I've read about 25 oh. of Stephen King's books. Yeah. Yeah, I got really into it. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you've you've overtaken me uh, where I've got like, I don't know, 15 years. Mm. I think you've, you've probably taken taken me over. Uh so, so yeah, the, the TV, the, well, yeah, the movies I remember, it was all on TV. I remember uh, the It miniseries. I remember seeing Channel Surfing at Home alone one day. TNT or USA, they were showing Maximum Overdrive. Mm-hmm. And that, with no context for it, was, it was the very beginning, too. So it was all, like, the, the stuff going crazy. No characters had been introduced. Right. Uh so that was as and and that stuck in my head. I was like, "Oh yeah, Maximum Overdrive, probably like the coolest movie you could possibly watch, right?" And now <laughs> people are like, "Oh yeah, it was it was a '80s cocaine mess. It was no, you know." 
and right, right, right. had that like okay. overdrive connection. Uh, and then I just this week remembered seeing a uh, promotion. USA was going to show Firestarter. So I didn't even watch any of the movie. It was just like, hey, watch Firestarter on Friday or whatever. And mm. the, the, the original Drew Barrymore one. one. Yeah. And mm. being like eight or nine and thinking, I don't like how angry she gets. That, that's <laughs> upsetting. So. Yeah. And then, do, do you remember the first movie for Stephen King adaptation uh, that, that you watched all of? I mean, I, I guess it probably would have been Stand By Me. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, that kind of that kind of feels like that would have been the first one I was allowed to watch. Because um, again, it's it's not a uh, not full full out gory horror, but um, yeah, it's still still quite a, it stays with you. It's, it's got a lot of disturbing moments in it. It, yeah. Um, did you know that that was inspired by a real life event? Oh, I I didn't. I knew there. Were, I, I I heard some true elements to it, like like locations and stuff. But I I didn't. Yeah. Apparently, when he was a little kid, um, he has no memory of this, but he sort of pieced together the things that happened. He went out to play, came back absolutely white-faced and his mum was like you know you look like a ghost are you okay um and it turns out that his friend had been hit by a train oh um and killed so presumably he he saw that happen or he saw the aftermath of that but doesn't have can't can't fill in the gaps of what happened but but that kind of you know kids playing out on the train tracks and something awful happening wow ended up inspiring the book the body which became stand by me hey and mm. uh, I, I do now that you mentioned, I do have a memory of the pie, uh, pie eating contest scene. Okay, yeah. And not realizing until I watched the full movie that that's like a story being told within the movie. I thought that was like an actual part of the movie, or part of the story that was happening. Yeah, there's a lot of that, isn't there? Kind of um, flashbacks and yeah, like I talk about the junkyard dog chopper. And stuff like that. So dogs in Stephen King books is something I want to address. Um, why do you always go to dogs, Stephen? <laughs> it's very upsetting. I will point out in uh, in the stand, he makes a point of saying that I was it. What's, what's the dog's name in the stand? Is it Rufus? No. Oh, come on, brain. No, Rufus is my uncle's dog. <laughs> I feel like it begins with a with a k sound. I'm gonna have to Google it now. Dog in the sound. <laughs> k -k 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 -k. Kojak. Kojak. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes a point of, of saying that he he long outlives uh, the. Oh, I'm bad at, at character names now. The is it Glenn? Stu. Stu? No. Oh no, Glenn is his original owner. I think. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. he is he's a dog lover. But he knows that he can manipulate people because of that, because he knows how much us silly Westerners, especially, just love dogs. Yeah. What's well, that's why I'm um, hesitant to read Cujo. Yeah, Cujo's difficult. I think he does quite well though in kind of I, I mean, I was gonna say no spoilers, but I mean you know, QJ came out in the 70s, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. The movie was like 83, so it's... Oh, eight, it, the, the book was 80s, yeah, yeah. as well. Um, so it's it's about a dog that gets rabies and goes mad, basically. Um, rabid, in fact. <laughs> um, but I think he does a relatively good job of separating good boy Cujo from rabid Cujo like it's not his fault it's the disease's fault yeah and but at the same time poor Cujo. what I've heard from uh I've, I've listened to I gotta say at least three episodes podcast episodes in the last month about Cujo uh, mm. and they say that in the book at least like they, there's even like Cujo internal monologue 
Yes. And that uh, there, there are actually like a couple of different storylines happening in the book. They kind of cleaned it up. Oh, not cleaned it up, but pared it down for the for the film. I've never actually seen the film. I, I see. I have um, mm. I Yeah. But no, that's very upsetting. But yeah, so many of his books, of the books that I've read over the past couple of years, um, most recently Needful Things is an especially harrowing dog murder. Oh. <laughs> you know, like this, this poor little dog makes friends with the person who brutally murders them and is, you know, like licking and, and wagging their tail and stuff. So that's that's especially upsetting. Um, but yeah. Well, it's it's on a similar note. I read uh, Pet Cemetery while mm. I was uh, intentionally childless, and listening to people talk now about Pet Cemetery, I'm like, oh, I I don't think I can read that now without picturing my own uh, you know two year old as uh, as Gage. I can't mm. I can't manage that. You know he. Uh, so, so an interesting, uh, aspect of, of Stephen King that doesn't come up, uh, as often, I think is his wife, Tabitha. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, we wouldn't even have Stephen King as we know him without her. Oh, but yeah, because he had thrown out Carrie Yeah, and she picked it up. She's like, no, you've got, you've got something really good here. And, and literally fished it out for trash. Yeah. Thank you, Tabitha. And she didn't want him to do uh, to release Pet Cemetery. She was like, "This is too dark. You can't, you can't do this." <laughs> and I, I get that now. Uh, right. So I'm glad I read it when I when I did. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I'm coming at it from childless, you know, whatever perspective. Yeah. But yeah, I can see how that would be even more distressing as a parent. So, mm. uh, have you have you read any uh, short stories? Yeah, so I I read a, I've read a couple of collections. Um, most recently, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Oh yeah, which was quite hit and miss, I think, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I'm pretty sure I read. In the intro, even or or an interview or something, Stephen King says, "You know, I don't even remember writing a lot of things. <laughs> this was during his uh, his unfortunate addiction period, because oh, yeah. um, you know he's he's fully sober now. But uh, I can't even imagine that not being able to remember whole swathes of your life, like writing a book. How can you not remember writing a book? But... Yeah, how can you not remember recording station to station? Yeah, quite." <laughs> Yeah, similar, similar uh, issue. I think. Yeah, so I remember. Yeah, I the first so the first fall book I read was it, the first. Almost okay, so almost the first Stephen King that I read any of. The very first thing was the liner notes to a Ramones tribute album. Okay. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, Stephen King wrote this. I haven't read anything else by Stephen King. That's that's something I, I sometimes remember, that that's the first writing that I, I picked up. That's so funny. He's famously a, a massive Ramones fan, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, and the song Pet Cemetery is one of my favorite Ramones tracks. Yeah. Uh, but, in, yeah, in college, so it would be – trying to remember when it – I guess 2006 – Fall 2006, spring 2007, uh, I took a gothic literature course. Mm. Mostly because I wanted to read Frankenstein again and needed an excuse. <laughs> it, it was cool because we, we did like a history of gothic literature going back to like the Castle of Otranto, uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, and some other stuff in between. But then you hit the 20th century and it's, it's Lovecraft and... Uh, uh, Oh, uh, Block and uh, <laughs> Richard Mathis, right, uh, right? And then Stephen King. Uh, once once you've gotten the the Edgar Allan Poe, the Lovecraft, and the the Mathis 
you know, inspirations. Uh, we read some short stories from uh, The Night Shift. Yeah, yeah, I read that too. So that was the, that was the first book that I, I purchased. And uh, I remember being very excited to finally read the short story, The Lawnmower Man. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this one, haven't we? Um, because my family... On the show. Oh, go ahead. No, just, yeah, we've talked about this one on the show, that it's... Uh... There's no relation whatsoever to the film. No, not at all. That, but uh, but yeah, my, my family had rented The Lawnmower Man because my dad was going through a big Pierce Brosnan phase. Uh, <laughs> I love this movie called Murder 101. And then we rented The Lawnmower yeah. Man. And it's just baffling. But to a 10-year-old, it's kind of amazing. So I, <laughs> I have this soft spot for The Lawnmower Man. Uh, and to finally read the short story... It's not, there's not a computer to be found. Uh, so I would, I would love for someone to really adapt it in a way that Stephen King wouldn't want to sue to get his name taken off the project. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I, love that. I love that when stuff like that happens. Like there's, um, there's a film that I really love that I primarily watched because Tom Waits was in it oh, sure. uh, called Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. I've heard of it. Um, yeah, which it's it's loosely based on a short story by an Israeli writer, I think, called Edgar Kerrett, uh, called The Bus Driver Who Wanted to Be God, or something like that. But I remember reading the, the short story and just thinking, how on earth did they get a film out of this? Because this is, this is nothing like the film <laughs> at all. You know, like one sentence maybe might be related, but that's about I it. I do kind of remember that film. Yeah. I, I saw it. I don't remember very much of it, but I definitely saw that one. That's funny. Mm. Uh, so that well, what's what's the most recent one uh, that you've read? Um, I think the most recent would have been Needful Things, um, which is you know very often parodied. It's the idea of uh, this kind of devil-like character running a shop that sells anything you could possibly want, you yeah. know, meets your, your deepest, darkest desires. Um, yeah, there's a, a Rick and Morty. I, absolutely. I knew yeah. the title that, Needful that. Things, but I didn't know anything about the book until the Rick and Morty parody. is like, oh, the devil's Mr. Needful. I understand what this uh, story's about. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably one of the most recent, and then... I read a couple of the newer ones, so Billy Summers, which is about um, someone who is a professional hitman. Uh, not not horror as such. Sure. I think that's that's quite an important <clears throat> thing to note is that even though he's famous for for being a horror writer, he has spanned a bunch of different genres. By the Shawshank Redemption. Hmm. Uh, well, all, all four of the, well, no, three out of four of the stories in different seasons. That's one of the, the books that I, I, I think I gave it away when I finished it. I was in a real spread the books around mood. Uh, nice. But different seasons has The Body, which was Stand By Me. It has yeah. Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. It has Apt Pupil, uh, right. which, I mean, there are horror I guess, elements, frightening elements. It's the horror of, uh, you know, human nature. Mm. And then the, the fourth story, The Breathing Method, uh, is, it's it's the shortest one. It's the weirdest one. It definitely has supernatural elements to it. And it's the one that has not yet been adapted to a film. I think they are working on it. I think I saw it. <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. Um... Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think even his his kind of like crime and um, I can't think of the word. Just just kind like of the, like the yeah, Green Mile and Shawshank. And, well, yeah, there there are a lot of mafia things now that I think about it. Uh, hmm. In uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, there's. Uh, I don't remember the title of a lot of these because it because I listened to the audiobook. Uh, 
Yeah. And so I don't have it at the top of every page as I'm going through. Uh, but there's the one where he goes out to the Las Vegas desert to get revenge on this uh, mafioso who killed his wife. He Oh, that's about the car, Yeah, isn't yeah it? he digs a, a hole in the highway. Mm. Oh. Yeah, he, he, he has a lot about cars as well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's what the, the physical book that I'm in the middle of right now is, is Christine. Mm. Uh. And how are you finding it? I've not read that. I, I've been I've been enjoying it. Uh, it's been difficult because uh, with my current job, with with all my old jobs, I, I was able to take like a lunch break, and if I was being a real good boy, I would have brought my lunch, and I would instead mm. of listening to a podcast or doing something else, I would I would read a book and, and eat my lunch and, and take that time. But it's harder with my current job, uh, so I haven't done that at all. And I've moved over to, to audiobooks, uh, putting uh, a disc of an audiobook in the middle of my podcast playlist. Mm. So I'm a bit in the middle. I'm a little disjointed on it. It's been like a couple of years, honestly. Like since oh, I, wow. I went into the office uh, at my last job. So that's 2019. I've been in the, the process of pristine. Oh. Goodness, no, I've not read that one. Uh, Dolan's Cadillac was the one we yeah, were talking about. that one's wild. Just, mm. and, and that's one of those where there's, like, even without the, uh, like, supernatural elements, that's, it, it's it's a, an intensity that you find. Mm. Uh, I think that's it. Like, he just, he has these little nuggets of ideas that are just so they hook into your brain you know like even his short stories it's just this this little idea like you know buried alive in your car or whatever yeah. it is and it's like I, I i'll just get little flashes of, of those ideas every now and again you, you know you might be drifting off to sleep or something and you'll just think about this horrible situation i mean that's that's the crux of, of like good writing isn't it that it just stays with oh you. yeah like uh one of the one of the stories in oh my poor nose oh my <laughs> poor listeners uh one of the stories of nightmares and dreamscapes is uh it's it's very short it's truly like a, an outer limits episode it's called uh, the chattering teeth yes it's so like oh well here's a mundane item here's a really normal looking thing and what if it were terrifying how can we make it terrifying? <laughs> it's that one's almost like i don't know he, he you know one of his mates challenged him down the pub like over a beer i bet you can't write a horror story about it. <laughs> you know yeah what what Got that vibe. oh go ahead no it's just it's got that kind of feeling to it yeah it? What what's amazing, uh, amazing with a B? <laughs> oh dear! Uh, is to look at the the Wikipedia article for list of adaptations of works by Stephen King. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. it's uh, extensive. Yeah, going back to you know Brian De Palma's Carrie in seventy six. And then seeing 1983, Cujo, The Dead Zone, and Christine that same year. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, because his publisher wouldn't let him release multiple books under his own name, and that's why we get the Richard Bachman stories. Uh, uh, I thought that that was, I thought he took up that uh, nom de plume because he wasn't convinced that his success was genuine or something like that so he was like oh well people will buy anything with the name stephen king on it so let's do an experiment and i think it was like thinner yeah maybe thinner was the that one. that did become part of it it, it started because he, oh. he they wouldn't let him put out more than one book in a year and so he had these other stories that he had written before carrie uh while he was a college oh. teacher 
uh, or while he was in college, I forget which. Uh, and so um, Rage and The Long Walk and Road Work and The Running Man uh, were released as Richard Bachman. Uh, I think those were his older stories that like already kind of existed, but then he, but then what you were saying, he wanted to see how well people took to other stuff. So he did write uh, a couple of things as Richard Bachman. After. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the dark half is about, uh, uh, a, a similar situation. Have you, have you read the, yeah, so the dark half uh, is about an author who writes. Uh, yeah, so so he's got like high-minded sort of intellectual books that he writes, but then he uses a pseudonym uh, to write uh, kind of pulpy crime stuff, and that becomes hugely popular. Right. And then based on, on what actually happened with Richard Bachman and Stephen King, uh, someone at, I think, Georgetown University, someone in Washington, D.C. figured out who Richard Bachman was because the first Bachman book, Stephen King held the copyright to it. Okay. All the ones after that, it, it was you know his publishing company. It could have been him, but the very first one was Stephen King. So... Yeah. happens in the dark half but what happens there is that the pseudonym richard stark uh comes to life and wants the okay. one who the one who lives the life instead of uh, or george stark sorry richard stark was was what that was based on the pseudonym in, in the book is george stark so how funny! There's, there's a lot of um, a lot of his characters are authors. Yeah, yeah. Jack Torrance and uh, yeah. Uh, oh, um, what what are the kids in it? Yeah, yeah. I was about to say Richie, but it's not as Bill, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Richie goes on the radio. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm sure there's loads yeah. more, but yeah. Have you? I think the answer is no. Have you read the Bill Hodges trilogy? Is that uh, Mr. Mercedes? Yeah. I actually ju that's the most recent audiobook I have gotten. I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, I've I've heard. Uh, good things. I watched the Ooh. first episode of The Outsider on HBO. That's that's one of them, right? Uh, kind of. So you've got the Bill Hodges trilogy, which is Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers, End of Watch. But there's a character in that series called Holly Gibney. And there's there's actually going to be a, a Holly Gibney trilogy. So The Outsider is the first of the of that trilogy. And I think there's one that's due to come out that's uh, the working title is Holly, <laughs> imaginary, uh, imaginatively. Um, but yeah, she's a great character. Um, mm, but in terms of uh, order in which you read them, because I feel like I got it okay. wrong. I, I read If It Bleeds first. Okay. And then Miss Mercedes, Finders Keepers, End of Watch, The Outsider. But the the proper order is Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers, End of Watch, The Outsider, and then If It Bleeds. Ooh, you went The Outsider. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it still works if you read them out of order, but... Sure. And I, I've, <laughs> I've done that with things before. Um, yeah. What, what did I see... A weekend at Bernie's two. I saw long before I saw that. Uh, oh, oh brilliant. Speaking of Cube, uh, mm. I watched Cube two Hypercube uh, before yeah. I saw the first one. And what did that do? That really made me appreciate the second one. Because if if you start with Cube and then watch the second one, you won't like it. But if your introduction to the idea is through the second one, then then it's okay. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, let's see. So, uh, short stories. What, what do you have a, a favorite adaptation? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm, I'm not sure really. So, I mean, I, I have a, I have a least favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, what's that? Well, this, this was because of you actually. Um, <laughs> I, I had seen The Shining before. I'd read The Shining. Okay. And had always loved the film, but then. Having read The Shining, I think it was only last year, um, I now understand why Stephen King hates the Kubrick adaptation so much. <laughs> the book is just way better. Like, it's just it's so much more characterization and, and, and backstory going on. I, I, think, I think Stephen King said that, and it's not her fault, but um, Shelley Duvall's uh what's her character called oh uh wendy yeah wendy is the most i think he called it like the most 2d misogynistic portrayal of a woman he'd ever seen in cinema or something like that but yeah i can see it yeah <laughs> so yeah and that's funny because i i like them both pretty well i haven't put them next to each other really like mm. i read the shining and i watched the shining but not like right after. I'm trying to remember, I think I I think I watched it first, but even then it was I was uh, pretty late. Like most people have already seen The Shining by the time they get to their twenties. Hmm. But don't get me wrong, I, I still I still enjoy the film, and it still holds a place in my heart. It's very aesthetically. Um... Oh come on, brain. Yeah, I I it. I let it sit basically on it on its own as yeah. a thing. I'm I'm trying to get better at not condemning adaptations for not being exactly like the book. Mm. Because uh it got annoying. <laughs> but when uh my grandma would do it a lot. Yeah. And you know, I <laughs> Sometimes changes are for the better, but um, no. I having having read it and 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 rewatched it, I think the book is a bit better. Have you read um, uh, Doctor Sleep? I have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. What did you think of the movie versus book? On that one. I actually haven't seen Doctor Sleep yet, but okay. because I but I found out it's uh, it was directed by Mike Flanagan, who did the yeah. Hill House and uh, Bly Manor and uh, Midnight Mass. Yeah, I think him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've I've put that back on my need to watch list. Uh, it's on, it's on HBO Max. I, sh I should watch that uh, hmm. this weekend or sometime soon. Yeah, give it a go. At the hotel by myself, that'd be a good time for it. Uh, so back, back to your question, do you have a favorite adaptation? Uh, I, I think so. I'm looking down the, the list of them. Uh, it's it's amazing how, how many I've read but not seen yet. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen Misery uh ah that's if you've read it yeah i think that's that's a good one that's up there as one of the good adaptations i think yeah i haven't seen the dark half uh no. i haven't seen apt pupil i i've wanted to but it, it kind of got erased uh and when i say that i mean netflix didn't have the dvd while i wanted to get the dvd it was a wait list for forever. Um, let's see. I loved The Mist. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked 1408. Oh, you know, honestly, my favorite uh, adaptation is It from 2017, uh, Andy Machete. Yeah. I felt... Yeah, it's it's a lot truer to the, to the novel than the... Um, than the... 
Tim Curry yeah. TV version. And I, yeah, because the trick, uh, well, there's a million tricks at adapting it that you have to do. But one of the things you got to like the kids, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, the kids were amazing. Yeah, they were really good. Chapter two, I liked it was it was good, but I mean, nothing's going to top that that first one. I don't think. No, I think you're right. I think yeah, the second film. I don't know. I don't know why, but just compared to the first, it just fell short a little bit. Well, one of the things uh, is that uh, the first movie, before Andy Muschietti took over, uh, there was a script written by Kerry Fukunaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always have to look up what else he did. Oh, True Detective. The first season of True Detective. Oh, wow. Uh, but he, yeah, he had written a script and then it got, uh, then he left the project, but a lot of that script made it into the, the final uh, movie. Mm. So the first one had that, those bones to yeah. from and the second one didn't have it uh i think that might have been it but i i love that they didn't know if they would make a second one they just chose really? yeah they were just like all right if we're gonna do it you can't do the whole thing in two hours and we don't know to let us make a second one so let's just tell the kids story let's do the, the first one and they did such a, a perfect job of it. Yeah, they, they 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 managed to do a lot of the things that the TV series didn't. Yeah. Even so, they still left out quite a lot from the book. But Poor Mike. I, Mike is hardly represented at all. No, I was I was thinking about Mike just now. Actually, thinking, well, did he have a, a slightly fairer? representation in the in the films rather than the cd series um a little bit but yeah that character was still done dirty yeah because he's he's got a good story and it could be like a very powerful uh aspect of it of the story Mm. you could you could do a lot of really good stuff with it but it would just kind of they didn't really do very much with him at all I like, mm. I like Mike a lot. I remember in the book, you're like, I like, I like Mike. He's he's a good good kid. Mm. Uh, so looking at at Wikipedia, so this might not be fully true stuff, or no longer true or whatever. These are uh, this is a list of upcoming adaptations. Okay, so I know about Firestarter. What else we got? Let's see. Yeah, so Firestarter this year, Salem's Lot uh, this year, Mister Harrigan's Phone. I don't know what that one is. Uh, And next year, The Boogeyman, based on a short story of the same name. Uh, Mister Harrigan's Phone is from If It Bleeds. Oh, which was released April twenty twenty. Yeah, which is part of the. the Outsider. Oh, the book before The Outsider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then The Boogeyman comes. Uh, that That's a story of the night shift. Mm-hmm. Okay, so TBA, undated films. Scott Derrickson, who directed uh, Multiverse of Madness, mm. uh, is adapting The Breathing Method, the fourth novella from different seasons, the one that hadn't been uh, Brian Fuller uh, is attached to Christine. Uh, the Dark Half, uh, directed by Alex Ross Perry, and that's a name that sounds familiar. I'm going to click that one. Hmm. Uh, career Implex, uh, inspired by Gravity's Rainbow, The Color Wheel, uh, Queen of Earth, Phil Comet. Her smell. That's what I've actually heard of. I've not heard of that one. Uh, oh, he wrote uh, Christopher Robin, the 2018 Christopher Robin film. Oh, 
Mm. Huh. It's a name that sounds familiar, but I don't know the work. Anyway, uh, yeah, the dark half. Elevation from a Buick 8. The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. The Little Green God of Agony. What's a, I know that story title. Hmm. Uh. The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. That's the one about a girl who gets lost and listens to the radio. Um, and it's all about the Red Sox, because he's a big fan of the Red Sox. Yeah, I remember. I've not actually read it. Yeah, I remember seeing the book on the shelf, and there's a, a Red Sox hat there. Hmm. Uh, the Long Walk, which is a Richard Bachman wood. Uh, which has come up uh, a couple of times on the King cast as one of uh, the host's uh, favorite uh, Bachman ones, just because it's so bleak. Oh, interesting. uh, Basically, a bunch of kids uh, start walking, and the last one, uh, you know, the only one who, yeah, last one standing, basically, uh, wins a fabulous prize. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, let's see. Mile 81. Uh, publication also includes an excerpt from 111263. Novella. Mile 81. Uh, it's in The Bazaar of Bad Dreams. That would. It's a, a short Ooh. novella. Rest Stop also has Alex Ross Perry attached to it. Uh, the Running Man, Edgar Wright. Whoa! Wow, Edgar Wright is doing the Running Man. That's going to be mad. Wow! If that there's going to be a lot of people who are funny about that though, because the original is such classic. Yeah, but it's so campy too. So I that's think true. it could be that. That's thrilling, man. Uh, and then revival, uh, throttle. Um, so novella. Oh, uh, Throttle is a novella written by Joe Hill and Stephen King. Cool. And, so Joe Hill is his son. Yeah. Have you read any, yeah. any Joe Hill? Yeah, I've read uh, Horns. And oh, I feel like I've done another one. The one, mm, no, I can't think. <laughs> yeah, I've read Lock and Key. Oh, yeah, Lock and Key, I've read. That's it. And when uh, we were visiting Portland, uh, there's a, a, a famous bookstore in Portland called Powell's, and I just went mm. to the, the big bookstore, uh, and turns out we showed up right as Joe Hill was doing a reading from uh, oh gosh I don't know what it's called Joe Hill uh, Fire oh the Fireman I was like it's it's about Fireman it's called the Fireman so that was that was pretty cool I got to be in the same room as Joe Hill while he did a little reading yeah that is very cool yeah it looks like he's done a lot of stuff with DC Comics as well. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the, not read any of it, but yeah. The last thing on this list of adaptations, uh, a TBA, is James Wan, who is which ones did he do? Fast and Furious. He did Aquaman. Uh, first Conjuring. He is attached to the Tommy Knockers. Ah. See, I, I feel like we're kind of getting to that point in time where all the stuff that was done in the 80s and 90s, and even the 70s, is probably going to get, they're probably going to get revisited now, remade, because, yeah. oh, I hate to say it, but, you know, we're getting older. <laughs> this whole generation who who won't have seen those ones, or, or maybe would watch them now and think that they're just rubbish, because they're really old. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we've already had that reaction yeah, yeah. of Carrie. That's... I never saw that. I forgot that even happened. Yeah. It's it's so funny. Uh, in the novel, Carrie is... Yeah, that's almost 10 years ago that the 
Chloe Grace Moretz carry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, in in the book, she's like she's overweight. She's got bad skin. She's like real outcast. And then, you know, it's Sissy Spacek. She's got like a particular look to her, mm-hmm. and you can definitely see that, like being kind of a, an outcast for for that. Also, being a little weirdo. But then Chloe Grace yeah. Moretz is she's pretty, like yeah you can have whatever else but like you're really taking some of that outsider energy away by class casting someone like that yeah it's kind of the um hermione granger effect isn't it oh sure a a character that's meant to be dorky and and not particularly attractive let's just cast a pretty person yeah of course of course with the the trick with casting those harry potters is you don't know how they're gonna grow up like (laughs) <laughs> that's true you could not have anticipated Neville no no so, <laughs> uh, yeah so I watched both versions of Carrie I haven't seen any of the sequel ones uh, the oh Ring. god I didn't even know there were sequels that's horrific yeah the <laughs> next to Children of the Corn I think Carrie has the most interesting uh, film adaptation sequel history because uh, uh, yeah, what that happens with the um, the Dark Tower movies? Oh god! So there was gonna be uh, and you can listen to an interview with the the person who was gonna do it, who had written the pilot for uh, mm-hmm. for Amazon. Uh, yeah, he had a, a whole thing set up, but uh, when the movie came out and it kind of flopped, uh, Amazon was just like ah. What, we're not going to do it because what they do because yeah, they won't take just a, a pilot they'll like buy you got to do the whole season or or you don't all right um let's see oh i want to find the sequel so there's carrie the novel yeah carrie from 76 the rage carrie 2 from 1999 uh and then a carrie from 2002 mm-hmm. Uh, which was no, that's just oh, written by Brian Fuller. Interesting. Hmm. And it, it's funny looking at that poster. I remember seeing that like DVD <laughs> on a shelf somewhere. So I can't believe the 2013 Carrie is the third straight up adaptation of it. No, that's mad. Huh? Yeah. We don't need more. And then the, uh, my favorite Carrie knockoff, of course, this is that I haven't seen Friday the 13th part seven, the new blood, uh, is, uh, hello, Mary Lou prom night two. There's a good, okay. that one. It's see, I, I feel like I recommend a lot of like bonkers campy sort of stuff on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Not disagreeing. Yeah. And that definitely falls in there. Amazing. Yeah, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 is a 1987 Canadian supernatural horror slasher film. But, yeah, if, if you want some, like, bonkers 80s slasher stuff, mm. it's so, yeah, it's truly wild. Uh, <laughs> originally intended to be a standalone film titled The Haunting of Hamilton High, but was retitled in order to capitalize on the success of the original Prom Night. Uh, very fun. I love when that happens. That's a, a Troll 2 situation. Yeah. Uh, it was Amazing. Pro- yeah, Prom Night was the Jamie Lee Curtis one. Mm. So, no, I've not seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that too, but I've seen Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. <laughs> amazing. Uh, I feel like I've said amazing too many times. Oh. All right. Well, that's just yeah. about an hour. Do we have any uh, final recommendations? Mm. I mean, excuse me. I guess, yeah, if, if you're looking for um, things that are a little bit different out, outside of the, the horror genre, the, uh, another one that I really liked was um, 11.22.63, which is kind of, uh, I'd say, without spoiling it, it's... I mean, it's, it's a time travel kind of thing. Um, 
but that was very good and and worth a read i think and that was let me see who adapted that one i think that might also have been mike flatigan hmm i've not seen that either i need to go away and watch some stuff i think uh see uh mike flatigan adapted he did dr sleep and uh on his episode, they interviewed him on the King cast. He talks about sitting next to Stephen King during a screening of it and how that is a uh, nerve-wracking experience. Yeah, I, I can't even begin to imagine. <laughs> uh, 11.22.63 was... Uh, executive produced by J.J. Abrams, King, produced by James Franco, premiered on Hulu. Okay, so pro- since it was a series, it probably had uh, various directors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was on Hulu, so you might find it on your Disney Plus over there. Mm-hmm. I will explore. Uh, let me see, let me see what I, I like. Oh, so interesting. I listened to Cell, uh, mm. the audiobook for Cell, before I listened to The Stand. Yeah. Uh, which I think helped because they're both kind of rebuilding society post, uh, how you say, uh, not quite extinction level event, but but huge like apocalyptic sort of tragedies. Mm. And is that for television? Three sixteen. Oh, I'll have to read that one as well because that's that's kind of my vibe. I like that kind of post-apocalyptic uh, survival kind of thing. And what's I don't know why? What's interesting about the adaptation is. Uh, that's the second Stephen King film adaptation to star John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. 1408 would be the first. 1408, yeah. yeah. I would have known that. I, I didn't even know they had made it uh, until looking at that list of adaptations. I was like, oh, I know that story. Uh, <laughs> The film received negative reviews from critics upon its release for being poorly crafted and lacking suspense. Yeah. That sort of lost period of, of John Cusack that I guess he's still in. Like he's he's doing some weird <laughs> stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. So but we were talking just before we hit record on this about Twitter, Twitter handles and stuff. Um, a bunch of me and my friends signed up for Twitter when it very first launched back in 2006 and my best friend managed to get the username just at Naomi oh wow which she since lost the the login to and probably doesn't own anymore but her claim to fame was that John Cusack tagged her once thinking it was uh Naomi Campbell oh great (laughs) that's some good early Twitter action I like that yeah yeah uh, yeah, so on that very random note, um, anything else? Uh, let's see. I in the hotel. I haven't really been watching anything. I've already recommended listening to the King Cast. Uh, mm. If you want a wild sort of D and D playthrough podcast, I, I I definitely would recommend Rude Tales of Magic. <laughs> That's the other thing. The other archive I've been plowing through. I've already listened to it, but. It felt like I wanted to to revisit it, so that's that's a fun one. Uh, yeah, that's 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 all I got. Watch a uh, Hello Mary Lou prom night too, <laughs> if you can find it. Yeah. Uh, cool. ooh, let me let me check the just watch. That, that should be an easy one to find here. Uh, what about you? Have you anything to recommend? Anything you've been watching? watching very much lately i've been i've been back in a little graphic novel um kick and there's a uh, there's an artist that i really love called james harron and he illustrated uh the first three i think issues of a comic called rumble which which is really great 
but I think this year or last year he brought out a new one called Ultra Mega, which is kind of a really dark, twisted take on the kind of really fun little Japanese character Mega Man. Oh. So <laughs> if if you're interested in that kind of thing, it's it's very gory, but it's also quite funny. Um, so yeah, that's great. Check that out. Uh, did you did you post on like Instagram a, a an image from that? Uh, that was that was from Patience by Daniel Klaus, I think you said the guy who did uh, Ghost World. That's another one that I read recently, which was also very good. All right, all right. So in the U.S., if you want to watch Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two, it is available to stream on Freevee, Plex, Filmrise, Shutter, uh, Night Flight, Pluto TV. I don't recognize that logo. Crackle, Redbox, Tubi, Voodoo, Hoopla, Roku, AMC Plus, uh, Peacock, and Fubo. Most of those are free and have ads. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie more widely available uh, than that. All right, well, I, yeah, we're uh, about an hour. I think it's a good solid episode. I sound awful. I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, I feel okay. I just sound horrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and say, as always, 